0: Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through His Word. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now, it's time to tune in to this week's message. To set the foundation or the springboard uh, or the framework of what I want to share today. And I'm going to teach today by knowledge. So Paul in 1 Corinthians 14 says that whenever he would go to minister, there were five different ways that he would minister. By revelation, by doctrine, but also by knowledge. And I want to teach today by knowledge. And we're going to start in Psalms 135 and verse 13. It says, Your name, O Lord, endures forever forever. Your fame, O Lord, throughout all generations, for the Lord will judge his people, and he will have compassion on his servants. If you haven't received a sermon card, you can, at this time, raise your hand. They'll get that to you. Again, this is for you to take home with you, all right? So this is for you to keep. This is for you to go back over this week. And um, be sure that you have that. And how many of you know we need to remind ourselves what God is communicating and speaking and saying? Am I the only one that needs to be reminded? All right. I see some out there. All right. So today I want to teach a message titled, Your Name, Your Fame. Your Name, Your Fame. And before I do, I want to pray. Father, I thank you today that our praise is not empty. I thank you today that our words and my words are not empty because Jesus Christ has been raised. We thank you that because of his victory and because of his resurrection, that the Holy Spirit performs the word of God in hearts, in minds, in families, in lives, in individual, and in communities of people who are followers of the way, Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for all that you've done in building your church. And we're grateful for the promise that you will continue to build your church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Lord, we thank you for more giving and gifting teams. God, we thank you for sound men. We thank you for media teams. We thank you for creative teams. Lord, we thank you for more people feeling. Lord, the seats in the 930 gathering. Lord, we thank you for continual growth and increase, for more people being born again, more people being delivered, more people being discipled. We thank you for more connect group leaders being multiplied and raised up and for more groups, Lord. We thank you for this. In Jesus' mighty name, that Christ will be manifested in many ways to many people and that the devil and demons are defeated. And we declare your victory over this congregation, over our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. The two scriptures I read from the 135th Psalm tell us that your name, O Lord, endures forever your fame, O Lord, throughout all generations. Now in my Bible, the New King James Version, there's titles to Psalms. And the 135th psalm in my bible is titled praise to god in creation and redemption now that phrase alone is loaded notice what it is titled notice what is the heart notice what is the thrust notice what the spirit of the 135th psalm is it's not just praising god in creation Not just praising God when he does a new work. Not just praising God for what he's created. But also praising God in his redemption. In his redemption. See, it's easy to praise God when we read Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. Where God has placed all the needs of man. And he's placed man in a garden. And there's no sorrow. And there's no sickness. And there's no oppression. And there's no demonic fear. And... There is a place of grace and the presence of God comes and walks with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day and all the food and all of the provisions and all of the protection and all the comfort is there. It's easy to praise God in creation. To look at the work of God's hands, how He framed the heavens and laid the foundation of the earth. And how He hung the sun and the moon and the stars. And to praise God for His glorious power and beauty and splendor in creation. But that is not the title of the song. Of just praising God for what He's created. The title is praising God not just for what He has started in our life and what He has began in our life and what He has created around us in this universe, but also learning to praise and to give thanks for His redemption, for His redemptive qualities, for His redemptive nature. Why is this the case? Because we see as early as Genesis 3 that things have greatly been affected. That things have greatly went astray. That now sin and deception and oppression and darkness has entered the creation and the work of God. The reason we're exhorted to praise Him not only in creation but also in redemption is though things have drastically went off course. Man Man has sinned the consequences and the effects of that. We can't even begin to grasp the heartache, the oppression, the sorrow, the tears, the pain that has been the result of that throughout generations. But the good news today is, is that God didn't leave us with only one option. He didn't leave us only with the option of having to accept the effects of of our sin, the effects of our wrong choices, the effects of devastation and brokenness, and redemption uh, of of rebellion. But He has acted in Jesus Christ and provided redemption. He's provided redemption. What does that mean? It means He has made a way that where things have went crooked, He's made a way to bring them back and be made straight. Where people have strayed, he's made a way to bring them back into the path of righteousness. Jesus, as the will of God, has made a way for God to redeem his creation. To bring them back into his purpose. To bring them back into his original intent. That is the good news today. And we're going to have to learn to not only to praise God for the beginning work that He's done in our marriage and the beginning work He's done in our children and the beginning work that He's done in our life, in your life, in this community, but we're going to have to learn God in redemption. We're going to have to learn to praise God in redemption that when things go wrong and people make wrong choices and there's pain and there's heartache, that the only option is not just to accept the effects of Of our wrong choices. But there is a God that still works miracles. And he's made miracles available through the redemption. Learning to praise God in redemption. The Psalm, the 135th Psalm, it sets as the major example. Of learning to praise God in creation and redemption. It sets the nation of Israel as the example. You begin to read through the Psalms and it says that, you know... Israel goes into captivity. The nation of Israel goes into slavery. They experience the brokenness of suffering in Egypt for over 400 years. But the God who created the nation of Israel, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, did not leave them there in that place of oppression and suffering, but He redeemed them. He brought them out of such a place You read it in verse 9. It says that he sent signs and wonders into the midst of you, O Egypt, upon Pharaoh and all his servants. It goes on to say that he defeated many nations. He gave Israel their land as a heritage to his people. Notice the context. God who created Israel, who took a people that were weak and Less numbered and insignificant. And he began to prosper them and grow them. And he made them into a mighty nation. God created the nation of Israel. But then they experienced brokenness. They experienced suffering. They experienced heartache in Egypt. And yet God acted. He didn't leave them there. He heard their sighs. He heard and saw their tears. And he redeemed them. And notice what he did. In redeeming them, he acted through miracles and signs and wonders. Oh, it's still the same today. That yes, things have went wrong. Yes, God has created you, but you live in a broken world. We've made choices and our choices have led to some devastation and effects. But the good news that I'm proclaiming today is that we can still praise God because He has redemptive qualities. He redeems what is broken. He fixes what we mess up. He strengthens what we have broken and and mismanaged. He's a redeeming God. It is His very nature. And this is why then, as our main text says in Psalms 135, 13, Your name, O Lord, endures forever. Your fame, O Lord, throughout all generations. Do you see why did God create the nation of Israel? The Bible makes it clear. He created them to raise them up that they would be a light to the nations around Him. They were created for His namesake. They were created to reveal The redemptive nature and the creating power of God that He can take what is insignificant and cause it to become significant for His glory. They were to be for His fame. That's why He prospered them. That's why He gave them provisions. That's why they were built into a community and a nation that they could be an example of God's fame to other nations like the Queen of Sheba who came and and saw the splendor of God being demonstrated through Solomon in the temple. This is still... What God is doing on the earth today Notice it says His name just wasn't for Israel His name just wasn't for the Old Testament His name just wasn't for the past His name endures forever It endures for your situation It endures for your marriage It endures for what you're facing It endures for your family And not only that but it endures for all generations it's not just for the old-timers. It's not just for the new-timers. His fame endures for all generations, for all generations. But when we begin to think about how God uses miracles and signs and wonders on the road and on the path of His redemptive purpose in our life, we have to have motives purified. We got to up front ask the question, Your name, blank. Whose name? Your fame, blank. Whose fame? Why do we want to see God do miracles on the earth today? Why do we want to see God pour out signs and wonders? Why do we want to see God move in our family and in our marriage and in our life and our heart and our children's? Is it for our name? Is it for our fame? Or is it for your name, O Lord? Your fame, O Lord. The pure motives is, is that it is for the name of the Lord. It is for the fame of the Lord. As Paul told us in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, to covet earnestly spiritual gifts. To covet earnestly spiritual gifts. Let me look at this statement your name this name that endures forever. There is what is often called by scholars and Bible teachers and pastors and believers, the redemptive names of God. Oftentimes you'll see it. In fact, you could Google pictures uh, right now and you would find a picture that would pop up saying the redemptive names of God. Oftentimes it lists seven redemptive names of God. Others have eight. The redemptive names of God are names that reveal that God's very nature is to redeem that which becomes messed up and broken. God cannot look upon the afflicted, even those who from their choices, even those through the rebellion, and they're experiencing the effects and the consequences of their wrong choices, and His nature not long to redeem what has been broken. To heal, to mend, to be. To bind up the brokenhearted. You say, What are these redemptive names of God? I wanna go in basically order. The first that is revealed in Scripture is Jehovah Jireh. You find it in Genesis 22, 13, and 14. The context is God tells Abraham to go offer his only son, the promised son Isaac, to him. And in that moment when he's about to slay his promise and his son, The Lord says steady thy hand and he sees the ram in the thicket. He says this is Jehovah-Jireh the Lord shall provide. The first redemptive name of God is that yes, things have been broken. Yes, creation has set began to walk away from God's original intent. But the first redemptive nature of God is, is he wants to make provision for where all things have went wrong. Least we begin to Not believe him that he's our provider for all we need for life. He continues to reveal his redemptive names throughout history and as scripture progressively begins to unfold. The next name that's revealed is in Exodus 15 and 26. It's Jehovah Rapha. The context is the nation of Israel has been delivered from Egypt and they come to waters. But the water is bitter, they're thirsty on their journey and they can't drink the water because it's bitter and God shows Moses and he says, take this tree, throw it into the bitter waters and it will be made sweet. Notice that as God is Jehovah Jireh, he is our provider for all we need. It is his redemptive nature to provide for his children and for his creation. Least we not think that healing and bitterness that brings so much sickness and affliction into the souls and the minds and the bodies of people. At least we think that when Jehovah Jireh, as our provider, doesn't mean that he provides healing. He reveals that his redemptive name is, I'm Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord who heals thee. The Lord who heals thee. Next is Jehovah Nisi. In Exodus 17, 8 and 15. As the nation of Israel is moving forward, they begin to come against enemies. God tells them, I will defeat Amalek. As long as Moses kept his hands up, the Lord fought the battles and Israel won the victory. Then the Lord reveals that as he's not only our provider of all things, but specifically he is our banner of love and protection. He is Jehovah Nissi. Our victory. He is the one that will fight our battles and fight our enemies. What the enemy meant from evil, he can use for our good. Next is Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. In Judges 6 and 24, you find a man named Gideon who had a desire to be used of God, but he was insecure. He was fearful. He's hiding. He he thinks, who am I? I come from the weakest clan. I I don't have a, a, a godly heritage. Who am I for God to use me? You ever felt like that before? And in that place of insecurity and in that place of fear, the Lord reveals himself. I am Jehovah Shalom. I am the Lord, your peace. Peace to the fears. Peace to the insecurities. Peace to the torments. Peace to your mind. Next is Jehovah-Rohi. Many of us know and very familiar with Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, is Jehovah-Rohi. He is the Lord who leads us and guides us. Next is Jehovah-Sitkanu, the prophet Jeremiah. In Jeremiah 23 and verse 6, he prophesied and he said... Jehovah Sitkanu, the Lord, our righteousness, that God would provide a way for us to be in right standing with Him, that He would provide a way for our sins to be cleansed, our sins to be forgiven, that we're walls of enmity because of our rebellion and sin, uh, have been built between us and God that God would act on our behalf, His redeeming nature is to forgive sin, to remove the barrier of sin, so that we could be in right relationship, right fellowship, and right standing with him. He is the Lord, our righteousness. Then Jehovah Shemal, the Lord who is ever present in ezekiel forty eight thirty five Ezekiel sees this city and this temple, and it said that his presence was always there. This is Jehovah Shemal, the Lord who is ever present. That though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we'll fear no evil, for Thou art with us. And then last, Jehovah M Kadesh. Levit- Leviticus twenty and seven and eight in the giving of the law, the Bible says, "You shall be holy, separated, set apart, because I, the Lord your God, am holy." He is Jehovah M Kadesh. The Lord who sanctifies, who sets apart our mind for His thoughts, who sets apart our desires for His affections, who sets apart our bodies to be instruments of righteousness. Maybe you're thinking, how is this relevant? How is this relevant to me and to us here today? Well, let me remind you, we're in a series titled Verified. Verified. In Jesus' came to this earth to verify the redeeming nature of God. That we would no longer doubt that because of our rebellion, because of the brokenness of the world, because of the effects of our wrong choices, that we would no longer doubt that it's God's very nature to redeem what we have messed up. To redeem marriages that are currently being pushed apart. To redeem families where animosity and unforgiveness is trying to drive wedges. To redeem our life where curses and sin and bondages are trying to hold us because wrong choices. See, listen, Jesus has become God's clearest message regarding His redemptive nature towards His creation. Jesus is God's name verified. Look at this in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1. The Bible makes it very clear of what I've just said. God who at various times in various ways spoke in times past. Aren't you glad that some of the ways he spoke in the past he don't speak now? The Bible says when the nation of Israel heard God on Mount Sinai, that the entire mountain was shaking, that it was on fire because of the presence of God, it's smoking, and the people exceedingly trembled, said, Dear God, don't let us hear your voice anymore. Or what about one of the prophets? In old times, he's had a prophet walk around unclothed, claiming his message, laying on its side, his side for months. Aren't you glad that this morning He didn't say, come in and lay on your side? (laughs) Amen. God doesn't speak in those ways in the last days anymore. It says, what does it say? Though He did in various times, in various ways, He spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets. In the last days, He's spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things, through whom also He made. The world, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself purged our sins sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high having become so much better than the angels as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Notice in the last days. The Bible makes it very clear that ever since the day that Jesus ascended The Bible considers that the last days. We're just getting more and more and more and more and more in the last days. But notice in the last days, God has spoken to us by His Son. This is the danger of religion, folks. To get our eyes off of Jesus, to get our eyes off of the clearest message of the nature of God, Jesus Christ, and to hold to... Old Testament types that are shadows and try to, through them, get a clear picture of who God is. Does God love me? Does God care? Does God want to fix what I've messed up? Does He want to strengthen and build up? Jesus is the God's clearest message. His redeeming nature. His Son, who's the heir of all things. He's spoken to us by His Son, who is... Very being is the brightness of God's glory. He's spoken to us by a son who is the express image of God's very nature in person. He's spoken to us in the last days by a son who by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than the angels. Paul speaking of this name in Philippians 2 and verse 9. He says that the name of Jesus is a name above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow on those in heaven, on those On earth and those under the earth. Notice the name of Jesus is above every name. Jesus is the more excellent name than angels. Jesus is the name that is above all names. Jesus is the name that's above every word and every name in a dictionary. And listen, it's in Jesus' name that all the redemptive purposes of God have been accomplished and can be experienced. Because it's Jesus who came and completed the eternal purpose of God through his finished work. It's Jesus who died, was buried and rose again so that forgiveness and righteousness could be available to you and I. It's Jesus who came and died and rose again so that healing that is the children's bread could be dispensed to you and I. It's Jesus who came and died and rose again so peace could come to our troubles and to our sorrows and to our afflicted mind and to the places of fear and insecurity. Jesus' name represents all that God accomplished through His finished work, which is His purpose to redeem What needs to be redeemed in our lives. See, Hebrews 9.12 says that God through Jesus accomplished eternal redemption. You know what that means? God has eternally made a way to buy back areas of your life where things have went wrong. God has eternally made a way through the finished work of Jesus Christ to take what is broken and crooked and be made right. And this is why all throughout the New Testament you find the fulfillment of the redemptive names of God for us who are now redeemed and the children of God. For instance, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider Peter said now because of the finished work of Jesus that everything we need for life and godliness we've been given. Everything you need for life and godliness has been provided by God. Through the finished work of Jesus Christ. That's called Jehovah Jireh, ladies and gentlemen. That's called, he will provide all you need to live out your purpose that he has for you. Jehovah Jireh. What about Jehovah Rapha? The God who heals. Well, he gives gifts of the Holy Spirit called the working of miracles. The gift of faith. And the gifts of healings. It's in the New Testament because it's fulfilled in Jesus Christ. What about Jehovah Nisi, our victor, our banner, our deliverer? Paul says we're more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. We're more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. What about Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace? Jesus says, I give you peace and I give it to you, not as this world gives it to you, but I leave it with you. What about the Lord, our shepherd, Jehovah-Rohi? Romans 8, Paul says that we'll be led of the Spirit. Because we're children of God, Jesus said the Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth. That's called being shepherded. What about Jehovah-Sikhanu, the Lord, our righteousness? Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1, 29 and 30, that Jesus became our righteousness. He became our right to relationship to our maker, our creator. He became our right standing With God our creator. Oh to praise God not just in the beginning of marriage. In the beginning of fatherhood and motherhood. In the beginning of him working for his calling and his purpose in our life. But that even when things begin to try to go wrong. Even when things have went wrong. That we learn to praise God not just for what he's created. Not just for what he's began. But we praise God in his redemption. In his redeeming nature. That he can redeem it. Oh, he can redeem it. We need to get a show called The Real Fixer Upper. The redeeming nature of God. Listen. What about Jehovah Shemal, the Lord who's ever present? Paul says in 2 Corinthians 6, the New Testament is God promised I will dwell in you and walk among you. That means he's always with you if he's in you. Wherever you go, he goes. What about Jehovah M the Lord who sanctifies? Paul said in Philippians two, eleven through thirteen, that God now works to will and to do according to His good pleasure within you. He's working to will and to do for His good pleasure. Listen to me. This is why in Hebrews two and verse eleven, talking about Jesus says it's an amazing verse. Who wasn't in the Bible I wouldn't believe it. It's so amazing, but most people don't know it's in the Bible. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all one. Watch this. For which reason he, Jesus, is not ashamed to call believers brethren. Saying, verse 12, I will declare your name, God, to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will sing praise to you. Do you hear what that's saying? That says when we gather, that Jesus Christ himself, put it back up. Jesus Christ himself, when we gather... He begins to declare and reveal the names of God to his brothers and sisters. What are the names of God? The redemptive names of God. So when we come in here and we're experiencing fear and insecurity and our soul is troubled. Jesus is here with us as we're worshiping the Father. Trying to reveal the redeeming quality and nature of God. That he is the Lord, your peace. Oh my goodness. This is why what Pastor Craig said is so true. This is not true Christianity. Is isn't just this knowledge thing. This is the redeeming experience of a redeeming God through Jesus Christ. That we're to come in here saying, Lord, some things are going wrong. Some things have went wrong. But Jesus is here to cause us to experience the redeeming nature of God. That where we need provision, He's Jehovah Jireh. That where we need healing, He's Jehovah Rapha. That where we need forgiveness and cleansing and right standing with God, He's Jehovah's sick canoe, our righteousness. That where we're facing the enemy and the threats and the torments and the lies of the enemy, He's Jehovah nisa our victor and our banner oh this is why we should come in with such expectation and joy to gather because Jesus is wanting people to encounter the redeeming nature and quality of God Jesus wants to verify to you to me, to us today the redeeming nature of God as we gather It shouldn't amaze us when we understand that's what Jesus did in the days of his flesh. In fact, in Mark 1, 14 and 15, the very first words the gospel writer Mark records of Jesus says in verse 15, Jesus began preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God when John was put in prison, saying, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Notice the very first words that the gospel writer Mark says Jesus begins to preach in his ministry. The kingdom of God is at hand. The role, the will of God is here. It's as close to you as my hand is to you. It's what Jesus was saying. It is here. It is available. This is why Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is walking around verifying the name of God that's been revealed throughout Scripture. Jesus, you can't find one place. One place. I'll challenge any leader and pastor in the country. Find one place where a sick person stood before Jesus and he didn't heal them. Because Jesus verified the redeeming nature of God. That where things have been broken and messed up, He brought the kingdom of God. Find one person that was demon possessed, that stood in the feet of Jesus, that He didn't release peace to their soul and mind. You can't find it. Because Jesus Christ is the redeeming nature of God verified. That's our hope today. He's the clearest image. Sure, if I look at what's happening around me. Sure, if I think about Uncle Bobby. Sure, if I think about, you know, my friend uh, uh, Shannon. That there's some things I don't understand. We'll get there. But when you look at Jesus Christ, who's the clearest image of the kingdom and the will of God, you will find Him verifying the redeeming nature of God. Find it verified. And this is why, because as Jesus is verifying the name of God that doesn't just endure in the Old Testament. Doesn't just endure until Israel reaches a certain place. But his name which endures forever. And for all generations you begin to see his fame. The fame of the Lord begins to spread as Jesus is verifying the redeeming name of God. For instance, let's pick it up. Mark 1, Mark 1, 23, now there was a man in the synagogue. That's the place where the religious gathered to hear the scriptures. There was a man there with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, be quiet and come out of him. When the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. Watch this. Then they were all amazed. So they questioned among themselves, saying, what is this? What new doctrine is this? For what authority he commands, even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. Here's what I want you to see, verse 28. And immediately his fame spread throughout all the region around Galilee. As Jesus verified the name of God that endures forever, then his fame spread. And it's the same thing He wants to do in your life, in your marriage, in what you're facing. He wants you to experience His name that endures forever. So that then through your life, through your marriage, through what you're facing, His fame would spread. Notice what the demon said. What do we have to do with your name? Because see, the name of Jesus represents The redeeming nature of God. Demons don't want to redeem. Demons don't want what they're messing up to be fixed. Demons don't want you to believe in the redeeming nature of God. But that name Jesus is the nature of God verified. It is the clearest picture for us in the last days of what God is like. That's why you have to see all of Scripture now through Jesus Christ and what He displayed. Let's continue on. You pick it up the very next verse. In Mark 1, 29. Now as soon as they had come out of the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. But Simon's wife, wife's mother, lay sick with a fever. And they told him, Jesus, about her at once. So he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. And immediately the fever left her and she served them. Let me tie this in to where we started. You remember in Psalms it says, Your name, O Lord, endures forever. Your fame, O Lord, throughout all generations. For the Lord will judge His people. Watch this. And He will have compassion on His what? Servants. Notice when He healed her of her fever, she instantly got up and did what? Began to serve them. Listen to me. Miracles and signs and wonders and the healing power of God is not just to serve us. It's so that God's redeeming nature can get us back into a place of liberty and freedom to begin to serve those around us. This is how you begin to have faith for God's redeeming nature in your situation is you got to understand the community aspect God is so big one person now on the earth can't reveal him he needs a community of people that he dwells in to reveal his redeeming nature to the people around him and he needs many servants he needs many vessels and so God wants to bring healing to your marriage deliverance to your life restoration to your mind so that you can be built into a community and a part of the community that serves the lost and hurting around us begin to serve them some of you have already seen Jesus Christ Verify the name of God in your life. Some of you have been delivered from drugs and alcohol. Some of you have experienced physical healing. Some of you have experienced mental and emotional healing. Some of you have seen God do a divine miracle in your finances and bring your family out of poverty and things like that and provide jobs for you. Listen, you have to begin to serve the next generation because His fame is to endure to all generations. This is what He did with Israel. When God did miracles in individual people, it was so that there would be no feeble and no weak among them so that the community could be a light to the nations around them. It's what he wants to do here in our life. He wants that were things that went wrong to bring His miracle working power to get us back into a place to be able to serve His purpose of manifesting Christ in many ways to many people. It's not just about God doing it for you. It's so that God can build you into a community. Listen, if you ain't got no money, then you can't help people around you that ain't got no money. If you're sick all the time and not able to be strong and to serve, then you're not going to be able to serve people. God wants to work in our lives so that we can be a community to serve serve each generation that his fame endures for all generations why don't you start passing down to the next generation the name that's been verified in your life in your situations in your circumstances why don't you begin to tell of his fame how you've experienced let's mold the foundations of many generations it's a community aspect Listen to this story in Acts 9 and 32. Now it came to pass as Peter went through all parts of the country that he also came down to the saints. Notice this. He comes down to a community of believers. It's the context. Who dwelt at Lydia. There he found a certain man named Aeneas, who had been bedridden eight years and was paralyzed. Peter said to him, Jesus the Christ heals you. Arise and make your bed. Then he arose immediately. So all who dwelt at Lydia and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. Notice here's the man. He's bedridden. He's a part of the community, but he's bedridden. He's not able to be a part of the name of the Lord being revealed to the community around him and, and spreading the fame of God into the generations. He's unable to move forward. He's paralyzed in life. He's paralyzed in his progress. And Peter comes to him and says, Jesus, the Christ, heals you. And notice what happened. The name of the Lord then caused all who dwelt in Lydia and Sharon to turn to the Lord because his name caused his fame to spread. Continue on in verse 36, the very next verse. At Joppa, there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds which she did, but it happened in those days that she became sick and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room, and since Lydia was near Joppa, the disciples had heard that Peter was there, and they sent two men to him. Verse 39, then Peter rose and went with them. When he had come, they brought him to the upper room. Can I just stop there for a moment and say on the day of Pentecost, what are we using our upper room for? Here was an upper room and there's people weeping and there's people, you know, in this place of grief. But in Acts 2 in the upper room, God's power came. Fulfillment of the promises of God came. Listen, you got some upper rooms, some upper rooms of your mouth and in your mind and in your your life and space. Let's let our upper rooms be used for God and for His power and for His name and for His fame to all generations. Amen. Let's not make a shrine in our life of our failures and our past and our mistakes, but let's allow the redeeming nature of God to come into our brokenness. Why? For our name? No. For your name, O oh Lord. For our fame? No, for your fame, O Lord. Then it says, The widows are stood by him weeping, showing the tunics and garments which Dorcas had made, and she was with them. But Peter put them all out. You know where he got that from? Jesus. Because Jesus entered a place before where people are weeping and trying to hold on to the, the dead things, and he had to get them out so that new life could come. Peter puts them all out. He kneels down and prays. and turning to the body. He said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. They gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and widows, he presented her alive. Watch this. And it became known throughout all Joppa. And many believed on the name of the Lord. Notice that. Here is the name of the Lord revealed. And it causes his fame to spread. And many people believe. Listen, God wants to work wonders in your life. But it's so then His fame will spread through your life and cause others to believe. Here's Tabitha, a believer who's full of good works, full of charitable deeds. She's dead. Understand that Jesus' fame, the fame of God, you know how it goes throughout generations? It's through the charitable deeds and works of His people. And this is Tabitha, and this is what is dead, but this is how God uses Peter to resurrect the good deeds and the charitable deeds. Some of you, some things have come into your life and brought you to a place that's tried to keep you from being used and the good works that God has for you. Listen, Jesus wants to resurrect it today. He wants to resurrect it today so that for you to manifest Christ in many ways. Now, I want to conclude today in talking about objections. Because the main objection to God doing miracles and the redemptive nature of God coming into our situation and community, the main objection is this. Yes, I know God is able, but will He? See, that does me no good because if there's a billionaire in our community... We all know he would be able to write a check and to build dwelling place, our own facility. But we wouldn't have confidence that he would do it. We just know he's able. You have to move from knowing he's able to it's his actual will and word committed to do it. So let me talk to you about am I, I am willing. And Mark 1 and verse 40, continuing right in the passage of what we've been looking at in the Gospel of Mark, says, Now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him, and saying to him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. I think we've all been there at times. We know he's able to make dirty things clean. We know he's able to do a work. He knows he's able, but the question is, are you willing? Look at verse 41. Then Jesus moved with compassion. He stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing. Be cleansed. This isn't talking, folks, just about forgiveness. This is leprosy. This is physical sickness. And you know what leprosy did to people? It caused them to be disconnected from the community. They had to go hide in leprous communities. They were not able to be a part of the community that was doing good works and charitable deeds and revealing the name and fame of God. This is why God's redeeming nature wants to break into our situation. Notice what Jesus, who is the clearest message of God to you and I, says, I'm willing You remember the scripture we started for, how it ended? For the Lord will judge His people. You know what that means? He'll make a decision. But what kind of judgment? Some of us, we've heard, you know, God's this angry God and He's just wanting us to just pay for so long on the earth from the mistakes that we've made and from open doors we've opened up to the enemy in our life. No, no, no. Notice what it says. The Lord will judge His people, but how will He judge His people? He will have compassion here's the Lord standing before a leper and he makes a judgment. And what is the judgment? It says he's moved with compassion. Because I'm willing. I'm willing. See, Jesus says, I'm willing. And I am who I am. You remember when God comes to Moses, he sends him to the nation of Israel to bring them out. Moses says, who should I tell him sent me? He said, you tell him I am who I am. What does that mean? It means what we find in the New Testament, Hebrews thirteen eight. Jesus Christ, the one who says, I'm willing, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Why? Because the name of the Lord endures forever and your fame throughout all generations. How did the Lord's fame spread in the Gospels that we're reading? It's through the miracle-redeeming power of God showing up in the people's situations. That's how His fame spread. And if the name and Jesus Christ is unchanging... And you understand it is for us in this generation. In Psalms 103, verse 1 and 5. Psalm of David, bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Worship God, be grateful, bless Him, praise Him. Not just for His creation, not just for what He started, but in His redeeming nature that we experience along the journey. And all that is within me, bless His holy name. Why? Look at this. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Because he's Jehovah Jireh. He's everything we need for life and godliness. But let us not try to talk us out of some of the provisions of God. So he says, verse 3 Who forgives all your iniquities? How many? Who heals all your diseases? How many? Let that confront you. Let it confront me. It's not a preacher, it's not a denomination. Scripture of God who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like eagles. Why does he want to renew your youth like an eagle? So that you can be a part of a community to serve the broken and the hurting around us. That's why when Israel came out of Egypt, there was none feeble, none sick, none lacking. So that they could serve the people around them. Look at verse 6. The Lord executes righteousness and judgment. or justice for all who are oppressed. Acts 10.38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. With the Holy Spirit and with power. Who went about doing good. And healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. Look at Psalms 103 verse 10. He has not dealt with us according to our sins. Nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is His mercy towards those who fear Him. Praising God for His redemptive nature, that He's merciful when we mess up. His nature brings back what has went wrong, straightens out what has went crooked. Verse 12, As far as the east is from the west, so far far has He removed our transgressions from us. Here it is. As a father... Pities his children. So the Lord pities those who fear him. Watch this. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. He knows the frailty of our body. He knows the frailty of our experience. He's moved with compassion because his very nature is to redeem. So listen, Jesus says, I'm willing. Jesus, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever for all generations. But the question we have to conclude with is, I am, that's talking about God is willing, but am I, Chad, willing? The first question we have to confront ourselves with, am I worried I'm not good enough? You remember verse 14? For the Lord will judge his people. Many of us know the Lord's examining our life, that we're going to give an account as a follower of Jesus Christ. But we don't believe we're good enough for the Lord to have mercy upon us, for the Lord to have compassion upon us, for God to redeem broken places in our life. But how will the Lord judge us? He'll judge us with compassion. Look at Mark 2 and verse 5. When Jesus saw their faith, talking of the friends who brought their friend to him, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. Some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic? Your sins are forgiven you? Or to say, Arise, take up your bed and walk? Because the psalmist said... He forgives all our iniquities and heals all our disease. The Lord will have judgment, but His judgment is mercy for us, His servants. Without mercy, we would none of us be able to serve and be used of Him. He wants to have mercy and compassion on us so that we can serve the broken and the hurting around us so that His work in our life causes His name and fame to spread through us. See, listen, Jesus says your sins are forgiven saying that equals the same thing as saying arise, take up your bed and walk. That what's keeping you lying down. That's what's keeping you from moving forward. That's what's keeping you from being a productive servant of the Lord in a community to manifest Christ in many ways. when he says forgiving your sins is just the same thing as him saying take up the bed, get up out of that which is trying to hold you down. Redemption and the effects of sin redeemed. Look at James 2.13. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. But mercy triumphs over judgment. Look at that. Yes, right now you might be experiencing some effects of brokenness, of sin, of wrong choices in your life. But mercy triumphs over judgment. Let mercy of God and His compassion triumph in your life. Look at James 5 and 13. He says, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Notice among you, it's the community. Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. The prayer of faith. You know, listen to me. Faith can only happen where the will of God is known. You can't pray a prayer of faith if you don't know what God's will is. Jesus has already made it clear. I'm willing. Scripture has already made clear the redeeming nature of God. And notice what it says. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. Deliver them and the Lord will raise them up. Watch this. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. You know why? Because the Lord will judge his people. But he'll have mercy and compassion on his servants. Even where we've messed up. Even where our own wrongs has caused these effects to come upon our marriage or our life, our heart. Yes, the Lord will heal and forgive. Because listen, mercy triumphs over judgment. Am I worried I'm not good enough? Listen, mercy triumphs still over judgment. Next, am I weaned and willing? Am I weaned and willing? What do you mean am I weaned? Listen, Psalms 131.1, David says, Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor my eyes lofty. Neither do I concern myself with great matters. Nor with things too profound for me. Surely I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with his mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forever. Because your name, O Lord, endures forever. Your fame, O Lord, is to all generations. But listen, we have to become weaned. What does that mean? Your soul is your mind, will, and emotions. For some of you, when it comes to this understanding of God's redeeming nature, you start thinking in your mind, what about my friend who I know died of such and such disease? They were such a good person. What about this believer I know that is going through such a trial? Listen to me. You have to get your soul weaned because you don't know everything about what's taking place or did take place in that situation because you are not them and you're not God. And the devil loves to use things that we don't know all the facts about so to talk us out of God's compassion and mercy hitting our life. I don't know why my grandfather committed suicide. I don't know why my uncle has been battling cancer for decades. But I can't let what I don't know talk me out of what the heart of God and the clearest image of God, Jesus, has caused me to know. Is that when I mess up, there is the redeeming nature of God to bring His compassion into my life so I can get up out of the bed of sickness. I can get up out of the bed of failure. I can get up out of the bed of insecurity to be His servant so that His name and His fame would spread you got to be weaned from trying to figure out all that's happening on the earth. And you've got to let the Holy Spirit and Jesus as we gather start revealing and speaking the redemptive nature of God to your life. Lastly, or in Luke 13, Jesus was faced with some people that was dealing with this. Pilate had killed some people and he used their blood and mingled it with a sacrifice. And they're wondering, why did Pilate choose these? Notice what he says. And Jesus answered and said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were worse sinners than all Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you, no. But unless you repent. Look at verse 4. Of those 18, this is Jesus talking, whom the tower of Siloam fell and killed. This tower fell down and killed all these people. He's saying, You wonder why it happened to them? Here's what he says. But unless you repent, what is Jesus doing? He's trying to wean them from trying to understand things too complex, just like the psalmist said, tonight thinking about things that are too lofty. And he's driving our attention back to us individually because I don't know all the details about my uncle and grandpa and this and all that God was doing that, but I can know the details about me and my relationship with God. Jesus saying, Be weaned from all of that, see me. Lastly, am I walking in his wisdom? In 2 Kings, King Hezekiah. He's sick. He's near death. The prophet comes to him and says, You're going to die. Set your house in order. The Bible says the king begins to grieve. He repents. He turns to the wall and begins to pray to God for mercy and compassion. The prophet hasn't even got out of the king's court yet. And the Lord speaks to him and says, Go back to the king. Tell him I'm going to extend his life 15 years. But watch this. He tells the prophet the wisdom that God wants to use to bring about the extension of his life. 2 Kings 20, verse 7 Isaiah said, Take a lump of figs. So they took and laid it on the bowl, and he recovered. You know what that means? That's called wisdom. means that the Lord instructs you to make some changes because he wants to use those changes to bring his redemptive qualities and healing into your life walking in wisdom is applying the knowledge you now have from the Lord I'll never forget when I had a family member, when my my other grandfather he died of of lung issues he was a smoker his his whole life and I had a a relative who was so bitter and so mad at God how could God let him die put God into that when if you make a decision that's not a wise decision for decades to smoke we all know it's going to begin to destroy at this point this vessel walking in wisdom walking in wisdom people that drink much alcohol it destroys their liver are we walking in wisdom When I came out of the tradition of faith I grew up in, in the mainline denomination, I began to go and observe other believers and how they worshipped, and specifically those who believed in God's Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. I went with my mother to a, a, a church I wasn't really acquainted with, and maybe you've heard of a singing group called the Imperials. Still around. They keep the name, but they change out, you know, the members. And they at one point during this worship time, they said, you know, the Lord's been using us to heal. Well, at that time, I I hung out with people that all had major car audio systems. One of my friends had 1212s in the back of an S10 and I'd sit in the front seat with 12 12s right behind me just blasting our eardrums. My other, all my friends had these major, major loud stereos in their cars. Well, at some point, my right ear, it had ruptured and the pain was excruciating. But I would try to deal with the pain because I didn't want to drive because we didn't do what you're supposed to do when we hung out. And I didn't want to be a driver. And I still experienced the effects of my rebellion And and living a life of, of sin and hanging around those. But when they said that, I didn't even know anything about like healing. I went up there. And the next thing I know when they prayed for me is that God's power healed my ear. And the pain that was there went away. And I've never had an issue to this day. You know what that's called? It's called Jesus Verified. That's called where even our mistakes are hanging around the wrong people or putting yourself in a place that's not wise with 12-12s blasting into your ear hour after hour. That the Lord will judge His people, but He'll have compassion. And I pray that you sense His compassion in heart for you. that He wants you to experience The redeeming nature and quality of God. Let's worship Him for a moment. I encourage you to stand.